Hi guys. Hi guys. Welcome back to the Digital Marketing Babes podcast. This week we're talking about blogging. The Google definition for blogging is the fact that it refers to writing, photography or other media that's self-published online. So blogging started as an opportunity for individuals to write diary style entries, but it's since become so much more than that and it's incorporated into websites for many different businesses. So Amber, is blogging dead? In short, no. In fact, 77% of internet users read blogs on a daily basis. That's quite a large number. Blogging is beneficial for multiple reasons, such as improving your organic search traffic, sharing information that warms users up to your brand, and it also gives you something to post on socials. So I think we should go through these points in more detail, just in case the listeners aren't quite convinced. So let's kick off with blogging for SEO. Talk to me, Alice. Blogging is great for SEO because it helps with a number of different things that are important for your ranking factors. Now, jargon alert, ranking factors are kind of like a checklist for Google and they're used to help determine what your website ranks for. So if it's on page one or page 10. So the first element is a blog keeps people on your website for longer. Now, Google haven't openly said having people stay on your website for a long period of time will help you appear higher up the page, but they have said that it contributes to a ranking factor. So kind of we can infer that it's beneficial because it's part of the wider user experience. If a user was staying on your website for ages and you're an e-commerce site and you know they were staying on your checkout for ages, that would have a negative impact. But for things like long-term content, that's going to look really good. The other element is keyword targeting. So a lot of people start doing SEO wanting to aim for the most relevant keywords for their business. So for example, if you are a local bakery, you might want to show up for the keyword bakery. While that's a really nice goal, unless you're the biggest bakery brand in the country, you're probably going to have a hard time landing the top spot on the search results page because SEO is really competitive. And also that's a really, really like short keyword and so broad Like, imagine how competitive that is. So the best idea for brands is to look for longer, more specific keywords that people are searching for that are relevant to their business. So these are called long tail keywords. They're extremely important for any SEO strategy. And sort of half of these search terms are over four words. So this, again, is really helpful. We know that people are searching for more specific things online. And there's a way you can capture that. So finding more specific searches is the best way to build that up. So yeah, that's kind of that really. So we would probably recommend building up blog posts with those specific keyword terms. Does that make sense? Yeah, so like a bakery might create blogs like best vegan brownie recipes. Exactly. I could probably chat about SEO all day. So let's move on to the other benefits of blogging. We'll definitely record an SEO episode though because we talk about it all the time and it's on the to-do list. For real, y'all. But yeah, no, we'll definitely do that. (laughs) So another benefit of blogging is sharing information that warms users up to your brand. So, you know, to me, a blog is like a conversation. And basically, it's a justification for content creation. The same way we create content for Instagram. So it's to, you know, either inform or inspire people. When you are creating long form content, you need to make sure that you're adapting to users' needs. So, you know, you need to do things such as making sure that it's optimised for mobile and consider removing pop-ups nothing annoys a user more than pop-ups and it can really deter them away from your content so you might be creating something absolutely fabulous and you know what they're not going to want to read it because of all these pop-ups and whatnot it would be far more effective to put a call to action at the end of your blog because then you'll know they want to take action 
But for example, if we go back to the vegan brownies, I've been looking for recipes lately and the recipe has been right at the bottom and there's been pop-ups and there's just been a lot of rambling. From my experience, you want to follow something that's called the inverted news triangle. Um, So basically what that is, you put all the useful stuff at the top. I like that. I completely agree. It's maybe SEO wise, people are probably trying to put more on the page, but SEO is meant to be like a blend of doing what Google wants and doing what the user wants. So I hate recipe blogs where you have to scroll right to the bottom of the page. And I was thinking about the pop-ups because I think I went on a website recently and there was like three in the space of 10 seconds. It was so frustrating. That's overkill. It is. And like, as a genuine recommendation, yeah, put your call to action at the end of the blog. If they enjoy your content, then they will take action. What you could also do is you could put a low level spend. So um, maybe like £5 a day into Facebook. Facebook Pixel tracks people on the website and you'll be able to create a retargeting list of people that have visited your URL that's for your blog. So if your website was, I don't know, Uh, maybe Teenage Cancer Trust forward slash blog, then you would be able to tell Facebook, retarget everyone who's gone to our blog in the past three to five days. And then you put some small spend behind that because it's going to be a small audience and you give them an ask. So they've recently been on your blog and say to them, hey, join our mailing list. That's so much more effective. I know you have to pay for it, but it's going to give a better brand impression. I genuinely think it will lead to a longer term relationship with your supporter. I agree. You've got to spend money to make money. And also, it's not like you're just throwing money away. You're investing in, you know, the future of your brand. So it's definitely so worthy. And I just want to like backtrack a little bit back to the inverted news pyramid. I know I said, you know, put everything at the top, but you said it's not good for SEO. Like you put most of the things at the top and then things that are a little less useful below and then less useful right below that. Mm. So they still have to read on to, you know, get the full recipe, but you're not making them scroll for hours to get to what you need. But that is the fundamental way stories should be told. And blogging is essentially storytelling. That's what it started out as. That's so true. You're so wise. I mean, I'm not just a pretty voice. (laughs) So what other things do we need to consider to like, make that content strong? So we know that 43% of readers just skim blogs. So formatting is fundamental. So make sure that you have headers and subheaders so users can clearly find what they need. And again, this is great for SEO, right, Alice? Oh, yes. Honestly, love talking about SEO if you haven't already guessed. So headers and subheaders are really fab for SEO because it tells Google that your content is well formatted and that's like another thing that works really well for you. If you guys have your own websites we know a lot of you babes are freelancers and you might have your own websites to sort of sort that out for yourselves and when you go into the back end of your website make sure that your subheaders are labeled as a subheader because that will change the code to show that it's a subheader whereas a lot of people when they first make their website they just make it bold and then a few font sizes bigger when actually google just thinks that's normal body text so yeah like you would in a word document when you label something normal text or subheader or heading that's what you should be doing on your website so yeah that's kind of that I was going to say that's an incredibly useful tip. When I first made my website, I did not use the subheader and header labels. I just literally did bold and bigger. But as I grew up and realised, I changed that. But yeah, that's a really, really useful tip because I'm not sure everyone would know that. Our other benefit for having a blog is being able to post it on social. 
So Amber, what's your tips for sharing blogs on social? So blogs are really, really good for evergreen content. And it's also a great excuse to get more people to your website. So then you can target them on paid with specific calls to action. So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. You can also transfer blog content to social. So for example, if you did a blog on the best sushi restaurants in London, you could make that a series of Instagram stories uh, or a Twitter thread or a long Facebook post. Or you could do something that uh, Amber loves to do called episodic content. You can make it a series of the best sushi restaurants. You can do top three in this area, top three in that area. Or you can do a piece each week about the best restaurants and why. Yes, that's such a good idea. I think that works really well around like awareness days where you see organisations doing like in the run up to International Women's Day and then they show like 12 inspirational women or... In the run-up to Christmas, we see, like, organisations doing, like, advent calendars. It's so good. Exactly. Advent calendar is the OG episodic content. (laughs) It actually is. Yeah, I haven't actually... I completely forgot about that. Like, I don't think I've ever done that when I've been managing social channel well you know what you can always start now and i think it's good fun because people do they're always intrigued to find out what you're going to share next Mm, that's true and i i do really like the idea of being able to take stuff from old blog posts so like being able to look at a blog post from like two years ago sometimes like you might not be able to share that on social because they'll go like oh we shouldn't be sharing stuff that's from two years ago especially if you're working for a large organization that probably produces multiple blogs a week but What you can do is if the information is pretty much still relevant, you can just tweak it and then put it out on social, especially for Twitter when you're having to like, I don't know, like I feel like if you work for a big organisation, you're expected to do like six to 10 tweets a day. So like it's really hard to stay on top of things like that. So yeah, I love old blog posts. I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Newspapers do it all the time. Mm. They take a story from a couple years ago that's evergreen and tweak it and republish it. So it's definitely nothing new and it's definitely not taboo. I don't know why people get so shirty about using old stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're told to recycle and reuse. Same goes for content. Exactly. So yeah, even if you're a blogger yourself, you could definitely have a look through content that you posted out two years ago and you could do like obviously reshare that if things have really changed you could do a reflective piece and quote on what you said two years ago and then like comment on that I think that would be really valuable as well especially if we're talking as marketers we could reflect back on how things have changed over the past few years so yeah you can revisit things revisiting content is great especially if it's something that you absolutely love doing and it might not have got enough attention you can always bring it back just bring it back to life it's not done forever It's like a great pair of jeans or a denim jacket. Doesn't belong in a wardrobe forever. You can just take that on out and sew a patch on. It's okay. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Okay, so what can our listeners take away from this episode? That I've got a great sense of style. (laughs) (laughs) Just for reference, guys, um, it's really hard to take Amma seriously at the moment because we're doing this over Zoom and she's got a pig filter on. So I'm trying to be serious with her, but I also can't. But you look really cute. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I feel like, you know that film Penelope with Christina Ritchie? I love that film. I feel like I look like Penelope. Oh, you do. The little... I I always felt really bad because I thought she was like really pretty. Also, I didn't think they went dramatic enough with the nose. Like, (laughs) do you not think? It was too subtle. I've seen people with noses like that for real. I know. (laughs) It was way too subtle. 
Um, but what you can take away, guys, before we get so distracted is see what blogs have done the best on your website and you can use that to create more content because you'll kind of know what people like and what they didn't like. And if people loved your recipe for a brownie, then use it for a video or for a social post or jazz up the brownie, make it salted caramel, you know? You can always take it and adapt it. Yeah, so if you did a brownie recipe, you could then film a video of you making that brownie for social and then do content around, I don't know, like people enjoying the brownie Mm. (laughs) or like delivering it for a consumer. Yes, and you can also do like a brownie competition, ask people to submit content of them making brownies themselves and, you know, you can just create from one piece of content, so much content. We love it. So another takeaway is for some social media babes. So you can use blogs to generate evergreen content which we say a lot on this podcast but it's really valid and we don't think enough people do it so make sure that you're doing that and you're revisiting older blogs and you're even using that to reshare or that you're creating content from that and that can be for your organization or for your competitors as well so when for example Macmillan they have lots of information lots of resources but they are not the only cancer charity and they don't specialize in young people so maybe they will probably take some information from from Teenage Cancer Trust, adapt it with their own branding, their own wording, their own spin on it, and then release content from that. And we see organisations do it all the time. So it's definitely worth doing. I was giving me a weird face. Do you think that's immoral? No, I'm just, I was just about to ask, is that allowed? Yeah, if you change it. Like if you see Teenage Cancer Trust did like, like I don't know, a blog on like 10 tips for... Testicular When cancer. you're bored. Yeah, or like I was thinking like when you're bored at chemo, like aimed at young people, obviously. Yeah. Then Macmillan might change it and be like, do something for young people. So a blog on young people receiving chemo treatment. Um, and they could basically take the whole structure and then just add their own wording on it. It's crazy. Also good though. Because there's so many like of the same blogs going around either way. And what we find is that even with cancer charities, people tend to support like one or the other. People are connected to a certain one. I'm using cancer charities because it's like my realm, I guess. But I guess it's the same with anything else. Like if you're a consumer, you might like to go back to the same brand. You might love to just use ASOS. But if Misguided did something that ASOS did and just tweaked it for themselves... Ah, like the ASOS and Boohoo sock gate. That was really funny. I love things like that. That was really good. I really liked that. Like the responses were top, top notch. Makes me happy to be a marketer because I feel like I'm like, ooh. Mm. I feel like I got it more than I would if I wasn't a marketer. Yeah. So that is a little tip for social media babes. And shout out to my SEO babes, where you at? So you can use blogs as a key part of your strategy to drive more organic traffic you know, focus on the longer tail keyword searches though. Just, you know, more unique. Yeah. So like less volume on but specific blogs. So lots of specific things and then that will amount to lots of volume. This has been really interesting. I didn't feel like I knew that much about blogs, but now I'm going into it. I do. <laughs> yeah. You always told me you weren't a blogging babe, but look at you go, Alice. Look at you go. Oh, I can talk about blogs, but I won't actually blog blog. Mm, I love blogs. They're brilliant. Mm. You're a good blogger. Thanks. Making me blush. (laughs) I guess this is a good opportunity to plug our blog. Go on. Oh my god, what? Us being strategic? What? (laughs) We have a website. 
www.digitalmarketingbabes.com. On there, you can find out more about me and Amber. You can read our blog. You can find our episode links. And you can also get in touch with us. But the main thing there is blogs. So we often talk about specific things on our podcast. And then we've written some blogs on them. So we've got one on 2021 content planning. Amber's written one for lockdown tips, which is really great. We've got another one that's literally just a library of links to helpful free digital marketing resources. So you should definitely go check it out. Yeah, and we find that if you look at the pictures of us when you're listening to the podcast, you can just see our lips move when you're listening. It's like watching a live episode, but not. It's fab. (laughs) You have to use your imagination, though, so probably not best if you're walking or driving. (laughs) So if people aren't going to visit our website, where else can they find us, Amber? Um, You can find me at home in Bournemouth. (laughs) (laughs) Also on Instagram at Digital Marketing Babes. But our DMs are always open, so slide on it. Yes, we love getting questions. I also get loads of questions from my business Instagram and I'm, I have to keep referring them over to Digital Marketing Babes because I'm like, oh, you're going to get loads of good content over there, guys. How fun. Go you. So fun. Um, I love being able to like refer people to a good resource that I'm really proud of. So, yay. Yeah, definitely super proud of this. Oh, sorry, guys, you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just late night chats, me and Amber. Um, finally uh, we would love it if you could leave us a review only a nice one though because I don't think I would be able to emotionally handle a one star review (laughs) yeah it's too heart wrenching (laughs) a lot of effort goes into these episodes guys so much effort yes if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts we would appreciate a review if you head over there and yeah keep downloading keep listening thank you like and subscribe bye guys bye guys